Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Service. Today is May 2nd, 2021. Sunday Service is a podcast where we talk all about creative finance, a little bit of wholesale every once in a while because we do wholesale creative finance deals. But this is a place where you can learn topic by topic how to um, understand creative finance, right? Um, We've been going over multiple exit strategies the last several weeks. Today, we're going to be going over how to seller finance or how to sell a house on a wrap. And some people are going to hear that and go, wait, what? I don't even know what that means. So we're going to talk about that today. What is a wrap? Um, Why to do it? Why I don't like doing it that often? um, Why other people love to do it? And I completely support them in that decision. It's not that I think there's anything wrong with it. I just am going to jump into it. It's one of the best strategies ever in creative finance. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to answer live questions tonight. Hopefully you guys have tons of questions, guys. Good to see you in here. Um, It's going to be me by myself tonight. And the reason being is Cody and Matt have ran Sunday service for the last couple of weeks because I have been traveling the country with Jamil. We have been in Tampa, Key West, Los Angeles. Man, we've been all over the place. And I um, am going, I believe, to um, Yuma, Arizona tomorrow because we are buying a mobile home park on seller financing. Pretty amazing. So uh, guys, if you have questions about any part of your business, please throw them in the chat. I absolutely love uh, deviating and kind of going off the path of making sure your questions get answered. If you have questions about creative finance, let me know. If you have questions about um, wholesale, let me know. If you have questions about retail, real estate, fixing and flipping, let me know. We do it all. In fact, um, it's really interesting. I've got uh, the place that I put my notes. I'm sorry. The place that I put my goals is in my note, my notes app on the iPhone. So every, I don't know, 30, 45 days or so, I go through my iPhone and I update my goals. And my goals are just in that little teeny app. And I just go through and update them, change them, delete them, or cross them off. And this has been a really, really big year for crossing off my goals. Um, It's crazy. Like my goals at the very top of my goal, the first line says goals to achieve by the end of 2022. Okay. So I'm looking at not my five, my 10, my 100 year goals, anything like that. I'm looking at what can I accomplish really, really quickly in the next 18 months? What can I work on? And it's really interesting. Um, we are starting to expand some of our horizons, right? We do a lot of single family subject twos, a lot of single family seller finance. We do a ton of single family fix and flip, single family subtails, and we do a ton of Airbnbs. Um, now, we have established that. We have property management in place. We're starting a property management company, another stream of income, which is cool. And so I've been putting things on my goals on my notes app that are more multifamily, more uh, mobile home parks. And man, it is crazy how fast you can manifest stuff. Because the second I wrote down mobile home park, I get a mobile home park. I think it's 40 units down in Yuma. We're going to be buying that. um, And that thing will net cash flow about, uh, my understanding is about $2,500 to $3,500 a month, which is pretty cool, right? Um, once the seller is paid all the way off, cause the seller is becoming our bank. We'll talk a little bit more about that today, but the seller is becoming our bank on that deal. So, um, once the seller's paid off, 
that deal cash flows about seven or eight thousand dollars a month. Okay, that is super cool. And so we've got four other opportunities in the pipeline just for that. I'm in a phase of my career right now where I just want to accumulate tons and tons and tons of cash flow. Um, not even so much for the cash flow, right? Um, we have plenty of cash flow now, but the cash flow that I want right now is to um, pay down all my lenders um, and then take those lenders and put them into more deals and just compound, compound, compound. Then we've got, um, it was really funny. I put in RV park, mobile home park, and more multifamily. And then boom, like literally three days later, I get a mobile home park and I get a piece of dirt that I'm potentially going to partner with Jerry Norton on to go out and build 48 apartment complexes or 48 apartment units. And then I get a text from my buddy, Jory, who says, hey, we've got a multifamily project we want to get you involved in. And so it is absolutely crazy how fast things manifest, right? Um, even, you know, I don't know who saw the video, the YouTube video um, where I'm buying Jerry Norton's house on subject two, but um, even that was something I manifested, right? I don't need that big of a house. You know, we have a much smaller family than Jerry Norton does, but um, we look at it as a good business decision, not just from, you know, buying real estate, obviously buying real estate's a great idea, but that's expensive real estate, right? Um, even though I did buy it without a loan and I did buy it with, you know, less money down and I got the seller to sell to me at 0% on his seller finance, I still paid $3 million for the house, right? So um, it's a $3 million home, 11,000 square feet. I think it's, um, Zillow has it wrong, but it's um, eight bed, nine bath in the main house and then three bed, two and a half bath in the guest house. So it's like 11 bed, 11 bath, essentially. Six car garage, nearly an acre. I don't need that big of a house. Um, but when I first went to Jerry's house a year ago when he first moved in, I went there because he was putting together a mastermind, right? And I show up, he's got a guest house. So he brings us over to the guest house, which are completely separate. And I'm like, man, man alive. That's um, freaking amazing that you've got this big of a guest house. He's like, yeah, this was a good business decision for me because I can run my masterminds on site. I don't have to go to my office or whatever. And at the time, COVID was, you know, raging. So I thought, man, I need a house just like this. I don't need the, as big of a house because, you know, we really, my family's somewhat small. But if I could have a house like this with a guest house this large, then I'd be so happy. I could start running my mastermind here and I could start running my meetups here and I could start doing a whole bunch of events at my house. And then nine months later, Jerry and I are texting back and forth and he says, I'm going to move to Puerto Rico. What do you think about Puerto Rico? And I said, I don't, who cares about Puerto Rico? Let me buy your house on subject two. And so that's where that came from. So best compliment I think I've gotten in a long time uh, came from my wife and she said, you're the most powerful manifester I know. And I was like, man, that is so cool. And um, the reason being is because you can't manifest anything without putting the work in. So really what she's saying is you're the hardest worker I know. Um, so I appreciated that. Anyway, um, talking about phases of life, right? You got to manifest what you're looking for. And by that um, methodology, you got to know what you're looking for. And you got to put those goals down 
And I was that guy in, you know, my teens and my twenties that said, goals are silly, just work hard and good things will happen. That is not the case, right? Um, I can tell you, I worked incredibly hard in my twenties. Um, I put my energy and resources into the wrong places because I didn't know where I really wanted to go. And I'm very jealous of the people that are in this podcast right now that are younger folk who have goals and know exactly where they're trying to be, right? So um, crazy, crazy stuff. Now that I'm in my 30s, nearing my 40s, everything I write down, this is what I want. This is how fast I want to do it. And most of it's stuff I've never done before, right? Because I'm trying to expand myself. But holy moly, I wish I could revert back in time and go kick myself in the shins or karate chop myself and say, man, write down your goals and be dead serious about that. So um, I, for anybody that's like Kevin Cho, one of my students in Vegas, um, Kevin Cho says, so glad to have met you and you guiding me. Man, Kevin, just the mere fact of understanding how to write down the right goals and going after that, oh my gosh. Now, by no means, I mean, we've got um, Stephen Crawford, uh, one of our sub two students. He's in his late 40s. He is a chemical engineer, not a chemical engineer. He basically messes with chemicals all day long down in Yuma, Arizona. And it's super interesting. Super interesting what happened to him. So um, Steve Crawford, a year ago this month, Googles how to get rich. And Google tells him, get into real estate. So he's like, okay. So he goes back to Google and he says, how to get into real estate. And he gets into a wormhole where Google suggests Steve Trang's podcast. And then he meets me, he, he runs into the episode where I'm talking and I'm talking about creative finance and Steve Crawford watches 15 other people's interviews on Steve Trang. And he's like, this is the guy I want to meet. So Steve, who's never joined a mentorship before, is like, I need to join this guy's mentorship. So he joins my mentorship. And then within 90 days of him Googling how to get rich. He then owns his first rental with no loan, right? It was seller finance. So he got it done, creative finance. Didn't put any money up. The seller sold it to him at 0% interest. So he's every payment he makes to the seller, who's now his bank, is paying down that mortgage 100%, which is building real wealth, right? And then he cash flows nearly $1,000 a month on his first deal. Now, here's the coolest part is that Steve's done a couple of deals since then, but the mobile home park I was just telling you about, I'm bringing Steve Crawford in as my partner because it's in Yuma. And Steve Crawford's the one that found the deal. So here here we are a year, right? That's like a retirement type of cash flow for a lot of people. And so um, it's amazing. It's amazing what has happened over the last 12 months. Um, You know, our mentorship sub2.com has been out for 12 months and one day. I am so absolutely passionate about it. And I, every morning I wake up and I'm like, what more can I do? What more can I do? And I have 50 ideas that we all want to attack over the next couple of months. So anyway, let's jump into some Q&A. Here I am talking and uh, going on these tirades. Apologize for that. Jeremy Ray says, I also looked up which, what rich people do and real estate came up. Honestly, I don't know how other people make their money outside of real estate, like real, real money. You either got to invent something or you got to know somebody, right? Um, Darren Talcott says, 
This week makes one year since John and I joined the mentorship and has been life-changing. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so Efren says, how about us older folk who still have goals and are starting to this business to achieve them? That's what I'm saying. Like Steve Crawford is nearing 50. Then we've got a handful of students like um, Uncle Lonza. Everybody knows Doug Lonza. You know, Doug Lonza was already retired when he came into our mentorship. And he's accumulated so many rentals. He's got multiple deals. He's making a couple hundred thousand dollars on. Guys, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 65, 75 years old. One year of putting in the, the right work into the right atmosphere will change your life. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know, um, I think the, the most fun thing for me is that when the other day, right, we buy, we buy this new home. My wife goes, I really want this table. And I look at the table, it's from Restoration Hardware, so you can guess how much it costs. It's a big dining room table and it's like reclaimed Russian wood. Like literally, I, I read it an hour ago, so I know, what it, I know what it is. And I didn't think about the price tag. And the, this is the way I think about it, okay? So the, the money comes in, right? Or I'm sorry, the, the price tag, I look at the price tag and I go, oh, that's one mobile home park worth of money for the month, right? It's a exp- very expensive table. I'm like, oh, I'll just have the mobile home park pay for that this month. Or, hey, I'll have the Dallas Airbnb or I'll have the Air, uh, Atlanta Airbnb pay for that this month. So it's very cool as you accumulate these properties and you accumulate cash flow, um, things look a little bit different, right? You actually start measuring every expense in your life compared to the income that's coming in on one individual property. So guys, it, you, you don't have to be making a hundred thousand dollars a month in cash flow to be be considered successful. Go to a thousand, go to two thousand, go to three thousand. Then it gets exponentially easier, right? Because now you're flowing and things are like it's crazy how powerful just a year of your life can be. Um, so uh, Nick Legamaro asked a really good question. Um. And Gain City has another really good question. So I'm going to jump on some of these Q&As, guys. Thanks for all the comments. I love this. And I'm sorry that I've been out for the last couple of weeks. Hopefully, you know, Cody and Matt treated you guys properly. Let's go through some of the Q&A. Um, Linda Morris says, first time from New Jersey. Is this the only time they do the show or do they have an earlier show? Sorry. Um, you know, Sunday service, I'll, I'll give you a two-minute rundown of Sunday service. So we'll, guys, we got an hour to do an hour and 15 minutes longer. We'll do wraps. Okay. Give me like four or five minutes and we'll get into wraps. It's going to be good. Linda, we started the show a year and a half ago. It used to be a conference call for free, um, which obviously it's still free. And it got to a point where the conference call company was like, we can't keep up with the bandwidth because we were getting four or 500 people getting on this call. Then we switched to, I don't know why we did this, but we switched it to Instagram live every Sunday so people would watch us. And then I was like, it's not recorded, man. Like nobody can watch this. So finally I meet Ty, the flip man out of Birmingham, Alabama. He tells me about StreamYard, which is the software we use for this podcast. And it was a game changer. And I relaunched Sunday service. It's been going now on StreamYard for a year and four months. Um, Before COVID, we had probably an average of 700 to 800 live viewers every single week. And uh, right now we're streaming to a couple different locations, but we're at, you know, 280 live viewers. We'll probably get to like 350 by the end of the show, which is amazing. But I chose Sunday because um, 
I feel like I don't want to have anything else going on. This is my podcast, right? This is what I want to talk about. This isn't, you know, I have to have a guest or I have to placate the other people that are on my podcast with me. For example, um, tomorrow I do another podcast with Brent Daniels and Jamil Damji. And guess what? I have to be, you know, political with them. Like, what should we talk about this week and who should we have on? And those are conversations. On my podcast, I get to do what I want when I want. And I just felt like Sunday was the best day for me. Then on top of that, I have all these friends, Steve Trang, Brent Daniels, Jamil Damji, and all these other people that are doing podcasts Monday through Friday. So I didn't want to step on their toes. And so I chose a time that, you know, would accommodate, you know, them and also make it good for me. It is challenging. Obviously, um, you know, my wife and baby are in the other room and it's Sunday evening. I would love to be with my family right now, but this is super important to me. Talking about creative finance and educating other people is super important to me. So um, we're going to keep doing it at this exact time. And we have been for a, a, quite a while. So we'll keep going. Um, guys, thank you again. Tons of really, really good stuff. Ken Fulton says, in Texas, it's almost the only option to rap, right? Ken Fulton, that is a really great point. And we're going to bring that up. Um, that is correct. This is why a lot of the creative finance people you see in Texas they are teaching seller finance. They're not teaching, um, you know, le they're not teaching lease options that often. And uh, there's only one person I know that teaches lease options and it's John Jackson. He's a personal friend of mine. And um, we're in a couple of masterminds together. I love John. But lease options are even really, really challenging in Texas to the point where it's almost not worth your time to go and do lease options in Texas. They are legal everywhere else and super, super easy. So we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Um, why is it great? Explain, please. I, Tasha, I think you're talking about uh, some of the strategies. Um, Christian Hernandez, Pace, how can I pri structure private money to turn a property into an Airbnb? That's a great question, Christian. Um, we did talk about private capital a couple of weeks in a row back in January and February. So I'd go watch those episodes because I deep dive on those. Um, when you say, whenever people always ask me that question, how do I structure something? And I don't know where that terminology comes from because you're really not asking me, how do you structure something? You're, you're saying, um, Pace, I want to buy an Airbnb and I don't want to use my own money. How do I use somebody else's money to, to buy an Airbnb? Go back and watch the, the show I did. I broke down the entire Airbnb, how I funded it, the way I structured the private money, all that stuff, Christian. I, that was on Sonnet Drive, S-O-N-N-E-T Drive, Sonnet Drive. Go watch that Sunday service. It's epic. Um, we had like 600 live viewers watching that. I show you guys the settlement statements. I show you guys the purchase agreement. I show you guys every little nuance. Even I, I even told you who my private lender was on that deal, how much money they gave me, how much money I'm paying them, and broke it all the way down to the penny of how much money we'll make on that. So that's a great question, Christian. Go, go watch that one. It's really good. Um, how, many, uh, how do you manage a mobile home park from far away? So my answer, uh, Karchner, my answer for that is I'm going to have a partner, a boots on the ground that I give 5 to 7% of the ownership of the property to in order for them to live there. So luckily, the student of mine, Stephen Crawford, who found the deal, negotiated with the seller, he lives two miles away and he's actually very handy. He's an, a, a pilot and a super handy guy. Uh, Sherida says, Pace, explain the hybrid method. 
Um, okay, you guys want to see the hybrid method? I'll, I'll, I'll show you the hybrid method. Let's check it out. So hybrid method is part sub two, part seller finance, okay? So let's check this out. We already know what a subject two is, right? Subject two is here's a house and there's a Wells Fargo loan on the house, okay? So Wells Fargo, let's say $100,000. I want to buy this house, but I, I don't have $100,000. So what I do is I go to the owner of the property and I say, hey, there's also a deed. And I say, give me the deed. So I'm the owner, right? The deed is proof of ownership. And I'll just start making your payments. That's a subject too, right? A seller finance is, let's say the seller doesn't have a loan on the house. They owe it free and clear and they have $0, but you still want to buy it for $100,000. Well, then in that situation, the $100,000 that you owe the seller would be written into a contract, uh, basically a promissory note is what it's called. It would be written to a promissory note and you would start paying the seller, right? That's seller finance, right? You're not taking over a loan. You're creating a loan between the two of you. That's seller finance, okay? The house that I just bought from Jerry Norton is a hybrid, okay? So he has a sub two, he has a loan with uh, Zion's bank of $1.2 million. And that... Um, is I think 3.25% interest rate. My payment on that's like $5,500, somewhere around there. Somebody, some um, really nerdy person is going to do the math on that and say it pays its $5,714. Guys, chill out. Um, so that's, that's the loan. That's the existing loan in place, Sherida. But, or Sherida, I, I apologize. Um, but I bought the house for $3 million. So did I come up with $1.8 million in, in cash to, to Jerry to take over that loan? No. What I did with Jerry's, I said, okay, we're three, $3 million. Let's, we have a $1.2 million loan that I'm going to buy subject to. And then we're going to do another $800,000 in seller finance. Okay, so technically I have two loans, right? I have a loan here with Zions that I'm paying 5,500 on. And then I have another loan here with Jerry that I pay him monthly, right? And my interest rate here is 0% with Jerry and 3.25% here, okay? So this is technically a hybrid, but you're sitting here saying, well, that only adds up to 2 million. You are correct. So the way that I structured this with Jerry is I was like, you know what, if I buy this house from you at $3 million, two things are going to happen. That $1 million, Jerry's going to have to pay capital gains on it. And I get no tax deduction on this $1 million worth of payments. Okay. So what we did is we took that extra million dollars and we actually created another agreement and it's a consulting agreement. This is, this is like the ult, ultimate, ultimate hybrid. Okay. So in this agreement, because Jerry and I are in the same industry, Jerry and I agreed Pace will pay Jerry a million dollars um, as a consultant for Pace's business. And guess what this means is that now Jerry lives in Puerto Rico. So Jerry now receiving that money over time will only pay a 4% interest or 4% tax rate on that million dollars. 
Okay, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So he's going to pay 4% on that million dollars because he's in Puerto Rico. And guess what happens with me is that Pace gets a $1 million tax deduction because he paid for um, a consultant into Pace's business. So that's a complete write-off. That means I can go make a million dollars in my wholesale business, a million dollars in my fix and flip business, a million dollars in other businesses that I have. And guess what? I don't have to pay any taxes on the income because I have a full tax deduction of a million dollars. That is a three-way hybrid. There's three things there. There's a sub two, there's a seller finance agreement, and there's a consulting agreement. I've never done that, right? We're always doing new things in creative finance and that totals a $3 million transaction, okay? But as far as the IRS sees, the IRS only sees a $2 million transaction and that is what Jerry's taxed on and that is what um, I'm taxed on. Pretty amazing. That is a hybrid deal, okay? Now, the cool thing is the million dollars and the 800,000, the $1.8 million, that $1.8 million, I'm paying that to Jerry for a 0% interest, which is cool, okay? Hopefully that answers your question. Anybody get any value from that? This is the val that's the value of being around people that um, are higher level than you, right? Um, Jerry and I, uh, I this, the consulting agreement was my, my idea, but uh, it, it was great being able to go back and forth to figure this out where it'll save Jerry. If Jerry sold the house to me for $3 million, like a regular $3 million, here's what would happen. Jerry would pay um, one, he bought the house for $2 million. Okay. So he's going to pay capital gains on the gain, right? So he bought the house for, I'm sorry, he bought the house for $1.7 million. So he bought it for 1.7 million. He has a gain of 1.3 million. So if he pays a tax rate of 47% on that, Jerry's going to pay 600 and let's say $30,000. I'm taking a guess. Somebody's going to correct my math. He would have paid that to the tax man. But because we structured it the right way, Jerry's going to save about $500,000 of that in tax and I'm going to get a full tax deduction. So it's a half a million dollars extra to Jerry, right? When you know how to structure things, you know what you're doing. These are the kind of thing, cool, cool things that you can do. Um, all right. So let me get back to the Q&A. Hopefully that answered what the hybrid is um, to a certain degree. <laughs> that one is very high level. I apologize. That's a very high level one. Um, let's see here. Let's see. Zelko says, I wish I can broadcast to all who look for a real estate mentor to hit you first so that you can save so much money, time, and nerves. What you teach us is for real business without bullshit. Thank you, man. I really do appreciate that. Um, Jeremy Ray says, appreciate you taking the time to do these. I, I do enjoy talking about creative finance. I have a lot of fun with it. So thank you so much. Um, all right. So Ted Miller, he's going to, everybody's starting to ask some really good questions about rap. So let's get into raps guys specifically. Somebody is going to be like, isn't this show supposed to be about wraps and seller finance? The answer is yes, it is. So let's jump into it. Um, okay. Um, so Horacio says, Pace. Seller says, yeah, I'll do sub two, my mortgage, but how do I qualify for another mortgage? So students of mine, 
Sub two students, please answer that question for Horacio so I don't have to deviate, but that's a great question. Um, please answer that question for Horacio. Um, actually, this house that I'm in right now um, is a house that I bought sub two. And the seller asked me that same question because he told me that he already was told by his new lender, he was in the process of buying a brand new house. He said, um, Pace, if I don't sell this house and I keep the loan in my name, which is a Wells Fargo loan, they're not going to qual me, qualify me for the next house. They already told him that. And I came in and corrected him and I corrected his lender by telling him the things that I teach my sub two students. And we got the deal done. Um, Ted Miller says, when do you use an RMLO to help certify a buyer? And do you ever use an RMLO if the LLC is buying a wrap seller financing a seller finance? So interesting thing. Let's start from the basics, right? Um, because what will happen very quickly is we will get ahead of ourselves and there's going to be people that get really confused. So let's talk about what a wrap is. Okay. Give me a, give me a comment in this, in the side chat. If you don't know what a wrap is. A wrap is very self-explanatory, which is amazing. But it's also very confusing. Okay. Um, I've got a really good wrap example tonight that I'll give you guys, but it's high level. Um, it's a one that I'm in the middle of right now and you're going to be blown away by it. And I, I'm looking forward to telling you and breaking it all down for you but I'm going to start out with some other really basic, the basics. Okay. So let's say I've got this house on 2720 North Sterling. Okay. Let's pull that up real quick. 2720 North Sterling should have internet. Come on. For some reason, my Wi-Fi has been like super weird on at this house. So hold on a second. Um, so this is a great house. This is a great house. Um, let me just make sure I got good Wi-Fi on my iPad before I start going online and running into issues. Okay, so this is a house that I bought 14, 15 months ago. So check it out. As you can see, oh my gosh, wow. Look how, look how this has changed over time. All right, so as you can see, the property was purchased on... Let's take a little screenshot of this because for some reason, this stupid thing doesn't want to import. So give me just a second. Sometimes I got to update my um, iPad and it takes a couple of minutes and I'm not going to do that tonight. So I'm just going to do a little workaround. So give me just a second. Right, here we go. Okay, so check it out. Bought this property on in November of 2019. Check that out. November 2019. What's cool about this, holy moly, 
is at the time I bought the house, it had no equity. Okay. I bought this house sub two. I'm still the owner of this house. I bought it for 372,788. Why such a random number? The reason being is because that was the payoff amount for the seller. The seller had a loan, Wells Fargo, okay, as a Wells Fargo loan that um, essentially Wells Fargo still was owed that exact amount of money. And so I bought the house subject to, which means I just took over that mortgage and that was the final mortgage amount. And that's why the purchase price ended up being such a random purchase amount. Okay. So I took this mortgage over $372,788. Okay. The payment on Sterling is $1,980 a month is the monthly payment. That's P-I-T-I. Now, what I could have done with this property is I easily could have sold this at a much higher dollar amount and I could have um, taken the interest rate, right? So the interest rate on this is about 3.25 as well. Let's say it's a Wells Fargo loan. Okay. And the house's value was $375,000 at the time. Okay. I could have, this is my house, right? I have this house at that price. That's my actual number. That's not a fictitious number. This is a real number. So what I could have done is I could have gone to a family and that maybe doesn't have the best credit, maybe had a down payment, but they you know, just couldn't get qualified for a mortgage. So I could have taken this house and I could have said, all right, I owe it. I own it at 375, 3.25%. And my payment is $1,900 a month. A wrap is when I own a property, I can add my own terms on it and I wrap my terms around it like wrapping paper, right? It's just like this on the underlying piece is the actual house. And then I wrap it with my own wrapping paper on top of it to appear a little bit different. So I could have sold this property easily for at the time, probably could have sold this for $450,000. I could have um, charged 4.5% minimum upwards of 8.5%. And I could have charged somewhere around $2,999 at the time. Now, all of this has changed because the market has gone crazy, but that's called a wrap. Okay. What I've done is I've taken something that um, somebody else gave me. I wrapped it with my own terms and I'm making money on the spread. So essentially, I have $75,000 in equity, right? I created that right here, $75,000 in equity. I have a monthly cash flow of $1,000 per month net. And the cool thing is I'm not the owner, right? I'm the lender, okay? So a lot of people don't understand this. What I've done is I took a loan I added my own money on top of it, right? $75,000 plus $1,000 a month net cash flow. And I sold that property to somebody else. Now, the cool thing is I'm just a secondary lender, right? That $75,000 and that $1,000 a month comes to me. And now if I'm not the owner of that property, guess what I don't have to do? I don't have to take care of the maintenance. I don't have to take care of the HOA violations or the taxes or any of that stuff. Most importantly, the complaints. Okay. 
Because when you have tenants, you get complaints. When you have these types of things, you have issues, okay? So a lot of people really like this method, and here's why. Because when you sell to somebody for the 450, okay, you sell to somebody for the 450 and the four and a half to eight and a half percent interest, that's another conversation to another day. How do I determine my interest rate on a wrap? That's a whole hour long conversation. But when I sell to this person, guess what I'm asking for? I'm usually asking for 10 to 12% down payment. So I can collect out of my $75,000, I can collect $45,000 of that up front. Okay. And this is why so many people love selling on a wrap, they love selling on seller finance. Okay. They love this cash, right? They live on that cash. And I'm going to tell you guys why I don't do wraps anymore. I personally think I've outgrown them. And here's why. This is, these are the phases, I believe, of getting into creative finance. Phase number one is you're going to wholesale all creative finance deals. Okay. Now, if you're a multimillionaire or you are doing really well already, then you're probably not going to start here on wholesaling all creative finance deals. And the reason why is you don't need to. But if you get a sub two or a creative finance, a seller finance under contract, and you don't have the ability to pay for, you know, a couple of months of rent, you don't have the ability to pay for renovation, the best thing to do is just make an assignment fee and assign this deal you know, to me, assign it to somebody else that's doing creative finance. Those are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are buying on subject to and seller finance. So make an assignment fee. We found that the average assignment fee on a creative finance deal is $13,400, even on a deal that doesn't have any equity. Pretty amazing, right? So that's phase one. Phase two is now, in my opinion, you want to do a wrap. And why is that? Because a wrap allows for a large down payment. Okay. So now what's cool is not only did I get a large down payment, and that down payment can actually be brought to me from it, the buyer brings the down payment. And the way we've structured our wraps in the past is that my buyer brings the down payment, the buyer pays my closing costs, the buyer pays my down payment to the seller, my, um, all my costs so that I'm into the deal and I actually get money up front, which is great. This is super important for a lot of new investors, right? I get my upfront money. It's really, really important to them. Then the third thing is that you actually keep involved in the deal and you get cash flow. Okay. A lot of people like this. I don't do this anymore. Okay. I don't do this anymore. And the main reason I don't do wraps anymore. Is, and I did. At one point, I did wraps. The problem is, here's the down. Here's, these are all the pluses, okay? Everything in the blue. I'm going to change this to blue. Everything in blue right here is a benefit. They're very, very cool. Let's talk about the negatives, okay? The negative of wrap is that I don't own it. And, and let's go back to this property. If I didn't own this property and I, and I sold this house for $450, look what would have happened. I would have missed out on $90,000 of, of growth on this deal because I sold it to somebody else on seller finance. This is one of the worst parts 
about selling on a wrap and not being just the owner, okay? It's one of the worst part, okay? It, it, it really puts you in a situation where you don't get the appreciation, right? I would, I would have missed out on that extra $90,000 of growth over the last year. Plus, I mean, who knows what's going to happen to this house? This house probably be worth $700,000 by the end of 2022. It's crazy what's going on. So I would have missed out on all of those things if I, 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 I did it on a wrap. Now, the other thing I miss out on is I missed out, I missed out on depreciation. Okay, so if I'm, I'm selling on a wrap, guess what? I don't own it. And if I don't own it, I don't get depreciation. And depreciation is a massive, massive reason why I pay very little, if anything, in taxes. I get no benefit of being the actual owner of this property if I sold on a wrap. And so I'm not a big fan of selling on seller finance or on a wrap, okay? Now, there, here's the difference of selling on a wrap and, a, and seller finance, okay? Because I'm using both terms and they are not the same. So here's Pace. Pace, in this example, owns this house free and clear. I, I owe nothing on this house. Nothing. I owe nothing on this house. I can sell this for whatever price I want. Let's say $200,000, 5% interest, 30-year term with $20,000 down. So a buyer comes in and gives me, you know, what is that? $40,000 because that's 20, I'm sorry, not $20,000 down. Yeah, actually it would be 20%, 20, $20,000 down. So that buyer gives me $20,000 down and they become the new owner. I'm no longer the owner. I am the bank because I'm receiving payments. I no longer have ownership. So that's cool, right? Let's say that I receive a $1,300 payment every single month. I don't mind a $1,300 payment. But guess what? The owner of the property gets all the benefits, all the appreciation, okay? Depending on what he does with it, he gets all the depreciation, right? So this example right here is called seller finance, right? Is there a wrap here? No, there is no wrap. There's nothing to wrap. Remember, I told you guys that a wrap is something that we take of somebody else's, we claim ownership of it, and then we cover it with our own ownership, right? And we add our own layer to it. That's why it's called a wrap. Literally, it's very, very, very literal. It's a wrap. I'm wrapping my own terms on top of it. So this is seller finance because I own it free and clear. There's nothing for me. There's nothing for me to add anything on top of. Now, let's go back to a different example. And I'll tell you guys what a wrap is. Let's say that I owe the bank still on this house, right? I owe the bank, um, $200,000. And I have no equity on the house. At least in this example. Okay, a wrap doesn't necessarily mean no equity, but let's just say I have no equity. The the ARV is 200, I owe 200. I could sell this house easily for $200,000 and make a ton of money. Okay? Even even if I didn't even sell it for any higher dollar amount, all I have to do is I have to take the interest rate that I owe the bank. Let's say I owe the bank 3.25% and I sell it to somebody else for $200,000. Okay. 
hypothetically, I could sell it for 215, 250, 275. But in this example, I'm going to tell you, you can just simply add one little thing. I could go up to 6% interest, 6.5% interest, and I make a spread between the 6.5% payment and the 3.25% payment. And I just sold on a wrap. And the reason being is because I wrapped these terms that I owned with an additional interest rate. That is why we call it a wrap. Okay. If there's no loan already existing or there's no debt, then we don't call it a wrap. We call it seller financing. Okay. Now, creative financing is so confusing for so many people because, guys, because the terminology is so simple, or I'm not simple, it's not simple, because this is also called seller finance. Okay, I can say, yeah, I seller financed this house. However, the underlying truth is I seller financed it on a wrap. Or you could just simplify that and say, I sold it on a wrap. You don't need to say, I seller financed the house on a wrap. You saying, I sold it on a wrap signifies that you, you sold it on seller finance with a wrap. Okay. However, I can't say I sold it on a wrap if I own the house free and clear. If I own the house free and clear and there is no underlying debt, this is not me selling to a seller. Let's say I, I, I go, you know, I'm going to sell this for $200,000. I get a $20,000 down payment. I sell it to them for 6.5%, whatever that interest rate is and why we do it. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. But this is called just pure seller finance. I cannot call this a wrap. That is not a wrap. Okay. Um, everybody understanding this? Alec Shaw, a wrap versus a sandwich is like so absolutely not even close to the same thing. It is crazy. Okay. Um, Adon Ruiz says, do you sell the property once you've depreciated 100% of the property? No. Um, So the challenge with depreciating 100% of your property, Adon, or Aiden, I'm so sorry. I don't know if it's Adon because I actually have a guy on my team named Adon and he specifically wants me to call him Adon. So if it's Aiden, I apologize. Um, No, I don't. I don't sell him. Um, something that we're actually starting to do is I'm actually starting to not use depreciation. Now, I feel like I'm going to go over a lot of people's heads here, um, but I, I really don't mind going over heads. This is my podcast, so if you don't like it, leave. Um, so when you depreciate a property, okay, and by the way, I can't depreciate a property on seller finance or a, a wrap because I don't own the house, Okay. Um, so Alex says wrap versus sandwich and, and Aiden, I will get back to this. Okay. So Alex says wrap versus a sandwich guys. Don't ever, 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 ever confuse ownership of a property with the word sandwich. People use this word. It is so dumb. I never do these. I've done maybe 10 and they're very, very rare. What is a sandwich? Guess what? Alec, you do not own the property on a sandwich. Okay. This is what a sandwich is. A sandwich is I have a seller and a seller says to me, Pace, I don't want to sell my house to you on seller finance or subject to. So I'm going to remain the owner of the property. Here's my ownership. And if you want the ownership of the property, you have to go out and get a loan. But 
if you want, I will do a lease to own, or also it, we call this a lease option or a lease purchase, whatever you want to call it. Okay. In this example, I do not own the property. I never owned the property. And if I wanted to make a monthly spread, oh, I'm so sorry. Kevin Cho caught me. I'm sorry, guys. So seller of the property wants to sell the house to me. All right, I'm sorry. He doesn't want to sell the house to me until I go out and get a loan. Okay. So I go to him and I go, give me a, either a lease option, a lease um, to own or lease purchase. Guess what? These are all three of the exact same thing. This is another reason why creative finance is tough is because so many people call them different things. Okay. I got the screen fixed guys. Thanks. Um, Manny blue says any creative financing folks in Georgia. I have so many students in Georgia, Manny. Great question. Students in Georgia, please help out Manny blue. So, um, one of my favorite places is, is Georgia, by the way. Tons and tons of people to help you in Georgia. I promise you that. So in this situation, I have to go get a loan in a very specific time frame. Okay. A lot of times it's like a three-year or a five-year lease option. And so I have to go out and secure a loan with a bank with my credit, with a down payment, with a W-2 and all this kind of stuff within three to five years. However, what I can do is I can then go to somebody else that maybe wants to rent the property and I can do what is called a sandwich lease option. So let's say that on my lease option here, I'm paying rent, by the way, this is rent, Alec. I'm renting the property from this owner for three years with an option to buy it. What I can do is I can go to my buddy Jim and go, hey man, do you want to rent this from me for $1,300 with an option to buy in three years? Now, how much am I making? I am now the meat in the middle of a sandwich and I make $300 a month, okay? I am not a big fan of lease options. I sell on lease options, but acquiring on lease options, guess what? You are not the owner on a lease option. You have to go out and get a loan on a lease option. So people that teach lease options, I tell, I, I'm hypercritical of this, is that I would rather go to an owner and this little piece of ownership, I say, hey, Mr. Seller, what can I do to get that piece of ownership in my name? I don't want to ever go get a loan. I never want to go get a loan. That is what creative finance is. Creative finance is the ability to buy houses without going and getting new loans. Okay, new loans. This lease options, I'm sorry, but they're really not creative financing. Okay, they're not creative finance. That is a sandwich lease option. It is so unlike a wrap, it is ridiculous. A wrap, I actually own the property. A wrap, I take the ownership from the seller. I am now the owner. I have all the benefits. I get the appreciation. So when the market goes up, I get all that. I get the depreciation, which means I can write off my taxes and I can basically live tax-free. I get all of these amazing things. And then I can sell this, if I choose to do so, to somebody else on a wrap at a higher dollar amount. Now, I've already given you an example of that right up uh, a little bit earlier, but a sandwich lease option is so not even close to a wrap because of one thing. 
is in a sandwich lease option, you are not the owner. Okay. In a wrap, you are. All right. Um, downfall of depreciation is not showing any positive income on paper, correct? Um, no, that is not correct. So that is a common thing, common misconception is that a lot of people say, well, if you depreciate, okay, let's do a quick little rundown of depreciation. Let's say guys that I make um, in my wholesale business, let's say I make a million dollars this year. Um, our business, um, this month, our wholesale business did $200,000 in assignments. So our business, not me personally, but our business will, you know, is on track to do $2.5 million this year in wholesale fees. That's pretty cool. It's not, not the best, um, but it is incredibly higher than most people. Um, you know, I have friends that are at 400, 500. I have friends that are at $700,000 a month, but the average wholesalers below all, all of that, we are definitely in the top, you know, 3% for sure. But if I make a million dollars of that take home, guess what happens? Mr. IRS says, I want 47% of that. So I then pay $470,000 in taxes on that million dollars. I then only made $530,000 after taxes, right? Very simple. However, with depreciation on properties I own either subject to or seller finance, not on lease option. I do, I do sell on lease options. I do not acquire on lease options because I'm not acquiring on a lease option. I am a tenant on a lease option. I am not the owner. Please, everybody understand that you do not own a lease option. You have to go get a loan. I don't know why that is such a common thing for people to misunderstand, but I get it. Um, you got to understand that a lease option, you are not the owner, you are the tenant, you are a renter and you do not have ownership. So if I own properties, okay, this is what happens in depreciation. I can go and take a $275,000 home and the IRS guys, I did a whole entire hour and a half of this over 27 and a half years, the IRS will give me a credit for 27 and a half years against that property as a loss. Now, the reason I chose 275,000 is because the math works out really easily. So every year I can, I can claim a loss of $10,000 on that property on paper. Okay. And what does that loss mean? Is that let's say in 2021, I make a $10,000 assignment fee in my wholesale business. What essentially happens is these two things cancel each other out and on my taxes, I can show I made $0. And then that means I get, I don't get paid. I don't get charged the 47%. I get charged 0% because I didn't make any money. That's what depreciation is. Okay. Now there's a hundred other ways to do depreciation. Um, we, we already talked about that in a previous zoom. So, or not a previous zoom, but a previous Sunday service. So go watch that, go look up the depreciation one. It is amazing. Okay. Now the downfall to that is a lot of people will say to you, okay. A lot of people will say to you, well, now you've claimed $0 on your taxes. That is incorrect. Okay. Um, you did not claim $0 on You did not claim zero income. What you claimed is you made $1 million and because you own assets, those assets wiped out that income. 
However, guess what the bank sees? They see that you brought in a million dollars. And guess what the bank understands? The bank also understands depreciation. So if I decided I did want to go get a loan, okay, if I decided I did want to go get a loan, then I can because I, even though I got taxed at a zero, I still show I brought in a million dollars in my businesses. Okay. Now, um, good couple of good questions on the side. Um, so Munif says, I'm wondering why I would ever want to wholesale a sub two deal if I can just sell it on a wrap. Um, the reason why is because sometimes your, um, why would you want to sell on, why would you want to assign on a subject two versus selling on a wrap? I'll give you a couple of reasons why. What if you don't want to own in that area, right? Because at the end of the day with a wrap, even though you're not the owner, what happens on a wrap is what happens if your buyer defaults on that loan and you have to take that house back. Are you prepared for that? That's a good question to ask yourself. Are you prepared for that? If the answer is no, then you need to assign that um, subject to deal and you need to make an assignment fee and be done with the transaction. Okay. That's one reason why. Number two is that what if you are able, right? What if you are financially able to take that property back if your buyer fails? Well, guess what? What if you don't want to own in that area? There's multiple times in my life right now that I'm like, I just don't want that in that area. And we just assign the subject to and we're done with it. Okay. So that's a that's a couple of good reasons. There's probably I could probably come up with five or six other reasons. Um Douglas says, what allows a property to be eligible for depreciation? Does it have to be owned for a certain amount of time? No, Douglas, it can be owned for zero amount of time. You can just close on it yesterday and utilize the depreciation. The thing about depreciation is you can only use it on um, second pro secondary homes or rental properties. You cannot use depreciation on your primary residence. Okay. Um. Munif says, you can buy again, wholesaling creative finances to get out of the deal. Again, more of a tactic for newer investors that are learning. Or Alan Johnson, just like I said a little bit earlier, if you do not, right, if you do not want to hold on to that property ever because it's not an area you'd like to invest in, then definitely get out, right? Um, when are we bringing Sean Terry on Sunday service? So I, I'm a friend of Sean Terry's, but it's Sunday night at 7 p.m. I never ask any of these guys to come on the show at 7 p.m. on Sunday night, right? Um, all right. Gaines City has been asking, wanting me to answer this question for the whole show, so I'm going to jump on it. Gaines City says, when do you, uh, let's say, uh, okay, when you do, let's say a 90-day option, you're typing like you're talking, which is amazing. Maybe you have been like voice texted this, which is funny. Okay. When you do a 90 day option and you exercise the option by selling the house to a retail buyer, does the retail buyer have to sign a purchase contract with the option E or the option or? Um, so gains, if you have an agreement with the previous seller that you have the ability to execute that option, it does not matter how you, ha you execute that option. Now, question I have for you, Gain City, is number one, why is your name Gain City? Nobody knows, everybody knows that that's not your God-given name. Please switch your name to a name that everybody can get to know you. You have some of the best questions. Please switch your name to something that people can understand because guys, I'm telling you right now, 
if you are a sub two student and you have an, if your name is not your actual name, you are missing out on people knowing who you are and bringing you deals. So shame on you for using your fake name because this is a networking, you have the ability to network with each other. Please guys, switch your name to what you want to be called. There's no way you want to be called Gain City. So if you want people to know who you are, okay, if you want people to know who you are, then change it to your own name, okay? Um, so Abraham Torres says, can you sub two on a fix and flip? Yeah, sub two on a fix and flip is called a sub tail, something that I um, uh, came up with a couple of years ago. It is sub tail means I bought it subject to, which is amazing. We've talked about this actually on Sunday service. We have an amazing dedicated episode just to that exit strategy. You buy it subject to, so you don't have to go get a hard money loan to buy the house. And then what you do is you either A, utilize a credit card or private money or your own cash to do the renovation. And then you sell the house on the retail market and you make the spread, okay? Um, we actually did a case study of this with Matthew Beard probably four months ago. We bought a house at a foreclosure, um, subject to, save the guy from foreclosure. I actually did a whole YouTube video on this as well. It's great. Um, the property address is 31st Street, so go check that out. Um, how do you decide what exit strategy to go with on a property? So Samuel Kemp, you always have really great questions. One of the most important things you can um, decide on, and I have a I have a whole like uh, decision tree for my students that makes them make you know helps them make a decision. But at the end of the day, the most important thing you can do when you're deciding the decision or you're making the decision for your exit strategy is understand who you are and where you are in your business. Right? I'm telling you right now. Okay, Josh Jordan says, made a great spread on a lease option deal. So what that means, Josh, is that you probably wholesaled a lease option deal. Um, Pace, will you be teaching all creative finance at the all-in event in Scottsdale? Thanks again for the ticket. Yes, Alex, for sure. Um, I will be primarily teaching subject two because there's a couple, I think Sean Terry might be talking about something else. I know I'm at a... Um, Josh Jordan, you assigned a wholesale, you assigned a um, lease option for $39,000. That's, that's like almost unheard of. Congratulations. That's amazing. Okay. So Scott Levine, how do I inform a lender of new insurance policy without triggering the due on sale clause? Usually we just have our insurance agent do it. And we have an insurance agent that knows how to do this. Um, the insurance agent calls our bank, switches out the policies and does all of that for us. We uh, give that whole, we give that contact information to our insurance uh, guy, to all of our students. Uh, Samuel says, can you do an episode on paperwork? No, I will never, ever, ever do a, pay, a, a, a show on paperwork. I paid a lot of money on my, for my paperwork. I think over the years I've spent about $40,000 on my paperwork. I will never give that away for free. Um, it's the one thing I won't do. Um, what I would do is I would suggest use my sub two students to help you out with the paperwork. My students have all the paperwork. They've had my attorney walk through the paperwork with them multiple times on Zoom. They've had my transaction coordinator walk through with them on Zooms of exactly how to fill out the paperwork. My students will give that to you for, for free. 
Now, they're not going to give it to you for free, just like here's the paperwork, here's the recordings. What you need to do, Samuel, is you need to go to my sub two students and say, let's work a deal together so I can learn. That's what you need to be doing. Okay. I'm never, ever, ever, mark my words, I will never do an episode on paperwork because go work with somebody in your local market that's already been trained. I'm not asking you to pay me. I'm just saying, no, I'm never going to give it to you for free because it's like handing a loaded gun to somebody that doesn't know how to shoot it. Go work with sub two students in your area. What you guys should be doing in the side chat tonight is you guys should be networking with each other. If you're a sub two student, you be, should be telling everybody, I'm a sub two student and I work in these areas. Here's my contact information. Here's my email. Here's my, D, here's my Instagram, right? I can tell you, Vincent Lanza, who's been in my mentorship since almost the very, very beginning. I shouldn't say almost. He, was, he joined the first couple of days. Um, same, thing with, same thing here. Donovan Richard, one of my best students. Guys, if you are a sub two student, throw your hands up. Tell everybody who you are and what market you're working in so that all these people who are not in the mentorship can actually come to you and work with you, right? I've got students making hundreds of thousands of dollars right now, okay? Now, um, Eddie Charger, one of our students as well, and um, you guys really need to understand. Edwin says, Pace, when will you do another real deal uh, video? You know, that's a great question. I have so many deals going on and I've been traveling so much, I need to get back on doing that for sure. Um, Phoenix Fish. I'm in the Phoenix market. I love it. But if you're a sub two student and you don't use your real name online, somebody needs to karate chop you. Please change your, change, your, change your YouTube name, your Facebook name to your real name. I promise you it'll, go, it'll do wonders for you, right? Because like somebody looks at Phoenix Fish, do you think they're going to reach out to you? And they, the first thing they got to ask you is what's your real name, right? Use your real name name. I cannot say this enough, guys. It's one of the reasons why I get so many deals is because people know who the hell I am. All right. Um, Samuel Kemp. I know you said you wouldn't do a Sunday service on corporate structure because you cover it in depth in your mentorship and you said set, to set up ASAP. So should we join the mentorship ASAP? Samuel, I, I'm never going to push you to join the mentorship. Go talk to my students, right? There's a couple of things that I'm not going to teach you guys on. It's going to be corporate structure, paperwork, um, you know, in-depth um, details, like things that are going to get you into trouble because I, I, I don't have enough time to educate, them on, uh, educate you on them. My students will attest to this as it takes me sometimes an hour to two hours to answer one question in depth in my mentorship because I pull out the paperwork. I pull out the layers and the layers and the layers and the layers. And somebody who is highly technical like you, Samuel Kemp, in the last 30 days, you've probably asked more questions than anybody else, which I'm so grateful for. Go take, get a lead. Go create a lead and go find a student of mine. I don't need you to join the mentorship. Go work with a student. Go get a deal done with one of my existing students. It'll save you guys both time and money. The student will make some money. Student will get, be able to practice with you. Not practice with you, but be able to work a deal with you. And you'll get to learn from somebody who's been trained by me. You don't need to join the mentorship. Okay. Um, Tanisha, 
one of my favorite students right now. She's been amazing. Tanisha did, did, um, dad did, uh, Cody and Matt get you guys that 20,000 person list today. I told them to do. Tanisha says hours and hours of zooms and so much content. Deep dives are amazing in the mentorship. Yeah. So I'm telling you, right? Like you don't need to join my mentorship. Yes. I've got a ton of amazing students in here. Guys, get to, if you're, if you are not a student of mine, get to know my students. Stop being lazy. Get to know my students, Samuel. Find somebody in your area. Find somebody in your area. Find somebody in your area right now. Okay. Um, Lynn Monet says, I'm going to plug into the sub two mentorship. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, okay. So Wanika Brim says, how to, how do you make, how do you market luxury homes for a quick sale? So luxury homes, um, luxury homes for a quick sale. I'm not quite sure what you're asking me. Are you talking about a retail sale? Like I'm fixing and flipping it, or is it a creative finance, like selling on a wrap? What exactly are you talking about there? Can you be a little bit more specific? Do we have any students in Massachusetts? Yes, we do. Um, Dario is one of my favorite students in um, Massachusetts. Somebody put Aiden in, in touch with Dario, please. Um, Dario does a ton of wholesaling. Okay, so Wanika says, yes, 500,000 to a million dollar, yes, fix and flip. So if it's a fix and flip, you just throw it on the MLS. Everything we sell, re everything we sell fix and flip always goes on the MLS and it sells. Right now, our average um, house sells in less than 24 hours. Furman Clark says, why not just join the mentorship and get way more value? I don't know. I just never want to seem like somebody who's selling stuff. So what I'd rather do is I'd rather push you to my students um, who already made the commitment. These are amazing, amazing students. Actually, there's a handful of people in here that are my, my mastermind students as well. So work with them. Guys, go get leads and work with each other. That's what I really want to see. Daniel, Dan, Daniel's amazing. Guys, if you don't know Daniel, he's unbelievable. Kama high out of Hawaii, right? I'm telling you, we have students in every freaking pocket of the, of the nation. I'm telling you, okay? Reach out to each other, work with each other. I'm telling you, we have a ton of students that are willing to help you, okay? So Erica Diaz says, I live in North, uh, North Texas, working overnight, third shift graveyard. I'm learning um, from AJV Group. So my market right now is Georgia. And I'm also virtual with a partner in New York City. Awesome. See, guys, this is what I want you guys to be doing. Use your real names. Tell everybody who you are, what you're about, where you're learning. Okay? Put your name out there, guys. And if you're a sub two student, please do me a favor and put more information than just, hey, my name is X and I'm in this market. Tell people how to reach out, re reach out to you. Okay. Tell people how to reach out to you. I love the mentorship, but my gosh, guys, if you're if you can't join a mentorship right now, work with my students. They will help you out, I promise you. Okay. So let me let me jump on a couple of things real quick as we um, I have a, a handful of people. I want to go over a couple of things I'm doing right now. So um, we talked about depreciation. Okay, we talked about uh, uh, depreciation a little bit. And one of the reasons why I don't like my exit strategies, I think wraps are a, a different phase, right? So let's go back to the phases. And I want to talk about that for just a little bit. Good job, guys. I'm Super happy to see you guys networking in the comments. Thank you so much. All right. So 
Phase number one. Now, it doesn't mean that I stop doing these things. I'm just saying when you're first starting, you should assign your sub twos and your seller finance deals, okay? Assign them. And the reason why I say that is because it's kind of a beginner strategy. You can't lose, right? Somebody just assign it to somebody who knows what they're doing. I'm, I've had so many people assign me deals. It's ridiculous. Um, then the next one is a wrap or sell, you can sell on, or you can buy on or sell on seller finance. I already talked about the pluses and minuses of this. Third one, I would say start doing lease options. Now, I didn't say acquire on lease options. I'm not a big fan of acquiring at lease options because guess why? You didn't acquire anything. You became a tenant. Okay? Now, somebody's going to disagree with me, but they're wrong. You did not buy the property on a lease option. So, I you want to sell on a lease option because you stay the owner of that property and you get all the cool benefits, all right? The fourth one is now you can start doing some a little bit more tricky things, right? You can now own the property and cash flow like crazy, okay? Airbnbs, you can start doing um, a lot more. Well, you could do subtails, right? You could do novation agreements once you start getting going. You can then start doing corporate rentals. Look at this handwriting. It's amazing. And then finally, as you, as you grow, um, you know, some, some growth is that you can start renting. Why do I have rent as one of the more challenging, maybe later phases in your business is because rents are really tough right now, right? Because we've got COVID and people are having a really hard time getting people out of properties. We've even had to go to court the last couple of months on our rentals. So we are not a big fan of rentals right now. Do we have rentals? Yes. But the way I look at rentals is that I can, I can do an Airbnb if I find the right property, right? You can't rent every house. I'm sorry, you can't rent every, Airbnb, every house as an Airbnb, okay? But you can rent every single house as just a traditional rental. So there is some pluses and minuses to doing the Airbnb model. You have way more money coming into you on an Airbnb. You have less management because you can hire a manager like I did. You have less management. And the cool thing is, and the downfall is this, the downfall is that you have, you can't choose, right? And it's not going to be able to, it's not going to be the same. Gosh, damn. I'm sorry, guys. Not every house is going to work for an Airbnb. You can't just find some rinky dinky house in the hood and go, I'm going to turn this into an Airbnb. Okay. On the contrary, on a rental, I can do this in the hood. I can do this in multi-million dollar neighborhoods. I can do whatever I want, right? Mobile home parks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm saying in the phaseology of this is that in the very beginning, these are to me kind of the newbie models. There's older people. It's really interesting. There's older people that are like, you know what? I don't like um, having tenants anymore. I don't like having Airbnbs. I don't like having that kind of stuff. So what's really funny is that uh, at a very late phase in life, people turn around and start doing wraps again because there's no management. And the payment that you receive is a net payment. Okay. 
That is what's cool about wraps. You're no longer the owner. You're just the lender. And that's a really, really cool thing. Okay. Dave Calico says, hit the button. Uh, 229 watching, only 48 people have liked. Guys, do me, give me a like. That would be really cool. We have a to we, we're basically hovering around 300 today, guys. And I appreciate that between a couple of different live streams. So thank you so much. Did I offend anybody about telling you guys to change your name on YouTube to your real name? A lot of people get pissed off by that way. David White says, hey, Pace, superb content. Loaded gun was a great analogy for the pap paperwork question. I truly believe that. I think me teaching you guys paperwork on a YouTube video this, um, is actually going to do you a disservice. I think the main thing is go work with a sub two student. I'm telling you, our community, our sub two community is unparalleled. Our students have more support than anybody else in the industry, hands down. We have some of the best leaders in our mentorship. So you are going to have tremendous help by just bringing a lead to one of our students and you don't have to pay for the mentorship. You don't have to join the mentorship, okay? Um, now, if you join the mentorship, you're gonna get a ton of value, but if you're not ready for that, then freaking go hang out with some students, all right? Can you JV a sub two? Yeah, I JV a lot of sub twos. Um, so Nick, um, are you saying, can I JV on assignment? Yeah, I get a lot of students. Actually, you've got um, a whole bunch of them in here. You got Vincent Lonza um, or Doug Lonza, I think is his YouTube name today. Um, you've got Daniel Quijano. You've got Kelly Hanno. You've got, um, I, I, I could go on and on and on. Tons and tons of my students are in here. Tia Campbell, I just saw her in here. I've seen Don Rich in here. Um, I feel bad naming names because there's so many of my students in here and I can't name everybody, so I apologize. Um, Jonathan Muir, new to the group. Any sub two students in Vegas want to connect? Um, Kelly Hanno, by the way, guys, if you guys want to connect with a student, if you want to connect with a student, and you don't know where to find a student in your specific area, reach out to Kelly Hanno. She is, I will give you guys her name and Kelly Hanno can find you somebody. Okay. Um, she says right here, we released a video on JV and creative deals. Actually, I think the last week, is there a way Kelly, you can find that link? Um, Kelly Hanno right here says, um, Kelly Han at Kelly Hanno on Instagram or Facebook Kelly Hanno. Okay. She, Kelly Hanno is my media manager. She's also a sub two student. She knows all the sub two students. She's been with me for quite a while. Reach out to Kelly. She'll connect you with the right people. Okay. Um, Al Edmondson says, maybe they should use the peace sign to say they are your students. They usually do. Okay. Um, Kelly is the top rated sub two student on Reddit. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, Jay White says, I'm working on a mobile home park. I, I'd love to pass to you. Now, Jay White, everybody thinks that I just want to do deals everywhere. I don't, right? I have a lot of students like Daniel Quijano and Doug Lanza, Don Rich, Reese Pennington, a ton of, ton of, ton of students that are like, give me deals anywhere. I won't work deals any, anywhere. I'm too busy for that, unfortunately. And I fall behind on following up if I have all these leads coming to me. So the best thing for me is Arizona, Vegas, Texas, Florida, and Atlanta, and actually just Atlanta. I don't want anything in Georgia except for Atlanta. And somebody's going to go, why? 
because I like Atlanta and I don't like anywhere else for owning properties. Would I visit there and eat the food? Yes. But for owning properties, I just want to be in Atlanta. Okay. So if you have how you have properties or deals in those areas, I will do them. But if not, reach out to my students, work with them on that stuff. My students will help you out. I promise you. Okay. Um, like Ted Miller guys. Boom. Look at this. I love these comments. Booty warrior. I love it. Any sub two students in Texas. Yeah. We probably have 350 students in Texas. Reach out to Kelly Hanno. She will help you tremendously. Okay. Medium wave Dave, uh, Dave Golick. He is um, one of my mastermind students and he is in Long Island. However, I believe he focuses on um, Birmingham right now, Birmingham and a couple of other places. Okay. Christian Hernandez can help you guys in Vegas. Man, tons of students in here. Freaking love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. So let's take a vote. Um, we've got a couple minutes left. Let's take a vote. We've had, you know, close to 300 people watching here tonight. So really cool. Thank you so much for that. Um, guys, what would you guys like to be our topic next week? Um, Ben says, Pace, are you avoiding dealer status on deals that you wrap? If you are a dealer, you lose installment sale tax benefits. Gain is taxed upfront as a dealer. Number one, I rarely do wraps, right? So if you go back to the very beginning of this show, you'll see that I rarely do wraps. I think wraps are um, more of a beginner strategy, which is great. Um, acquiring on sub two or seller finance and then selling on a wrap is more of a beginner strategy because people are typically looking for a larger down payment to cover their cost to get into the deal. Um, for me, not a big fan. Um, if you guys want to talk about probate next week, we can talk about probate. I've been building um, my students an eight-week probate course, and I think we're halfway done. I could bring a probate attorney on next week, and I bet he would probably come on here. Um, you know what I should do? is one of the most common questions I get in my DMs regarding sub two is how can I live in my own house subject to? I think that should be my topic next week is how can I live in my, my own house subject to? Is anybody interested in that? Probates. Okay, we got probates. Let's take a vote, guys. You want what, what do we want? We want probates. We want um, how to buy my first house subject to. How do I live in my first house subject to? What do you guys want? Nick Alcantar says, yes, that's a major question I have. Okay, great. Um, a lot of times I'll do videos and I'll do topics, even though it's not like the best clickbait, it's not going to drive a ton of traffic. Um, maybe we just say, how do we get our, how do you get your first deal subject to? Okay. Daniel Quijano says, um, you're legit doing it right now. So the timing is perfect. This house I'm in right now is a subject to deal. 
the house I'm moving into is a subject to and seller finance deal. Who saw the example at the very beginning? I broke down the $3 million deal. Um, so that one's more of a hybrid than just a straight up sub two, but okay. So everybody keeps saying how to live in a subject to, how to live in your own subject to house. So Kelly Hanno, you know the topic for next week. Let's create a graphic for it and let's get it done. Um, anyone have sub two deals in North Phoenix? Lisa's coming up and would love to buy something North of 101. Unfortunately, Tyler, every subject to deal I get in Phoenix, we buy it ourselves. Okay. Tasha Barnes says, how do I get my first sub two deal? Okay. Love it. First sub two deal. Okay. Here's what we're going to do next week. We're going to talk about how to get your first subject to deal. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about how to get, how to live in your own subject to deal. Okay. Ooh, that one's a good one. How to determine the assignment fee on an owner finance deal. That one's really good. Maybe I should have, um, I should have Vincent Lonza come in as my guest on that one. One of my long um, OG students, Vincent Lonza. I think we, I think we got our next three topics, Kelly. Let's do uh, next week, Kelly. Let's do. Um, how do I get my first subject to deal? Week after that, how do I live in my own subject to deal? And then number three is let's talk about, um, we'll bring Vincent Lanza on that one in three weeks. And we'll say how to determine your assignment fee on a creative finance deal. All right. All right, guys, do me a favor. I've got a couple of minutes left. Do me a favor. Um, let everybody know we want to come back here. I, I, the more people we have on the show, the more people we have to do deals with, right? So let's share this. Let's share this with everybody. Let's tag me, go on Instagram, take a photo of, of the podcast. Um, Leighton Allen says, do you ever do deals on condos? Absolutely, we do. Um, Tasha Barnes says, how do you determine the money amount when seller financing? We'll talk about that in three weeks with Doug Lanza, okay? So guys, do what, um, do what I was just asking. Please screenshot and tag me on IG and let's get the word out right? Let's get the word out to come to Sunday service. I'm going to start being the main person on Sunday service. The last two weeks I took off, but um, fortunately, Brandon keeps saying, when's your book coming out? I am giving my book this year to all my students for free, and I will not be selling that to anybody who has not pre-ordered it. And I think we're only get, allowing like 200 people to pre-order. Um, Kelly says, I love enough time has gone by that condos are no longer associated with me. I, I think she's speaking a different language. Can you sub to multifamily? Yes. So, um, Nick Alcantara, absolutely. Pace, if we find a creative finance deal and put it under contract for retail price, can we still sell it to you? Yes. Most of my students that have sold me uh, creative finance deals have sold them to me at full retail. Okay. All right. So three topics coming up. Horacio says, are you still doing the 30 day challenge with no money? Yes, I am. But unfortunately for the next six months, guys, what am I doing? Does everybody know what the next six months I'm doing? I'm locked into a contract. What am I doing? Who knows what I'm doing for the next six months? I can't travel. I can't do anything. Okay. 
what am I doing for the next six months? Alex Salazar Gonzalez has got it right. We are, Jamil and I are, are on a um, TV show with A&E. We are filming a five-year series here in Phoenix with A&E. Pretty, pretty big deal. Big production budget. 35 people behind each entire episode. And Jamil and I are the stars of the show and we'll be locked in for about six months. I won't be able to travel. I won't be able to do anything. So unfortunately, if you're not coming to my mastermind, then I'm you, we won't be meeting face-to-face, right? For the last two and a half years, Jamil and I have been traveling around the country and doing free meetups and meeting everybody. That has officially stopped as of last week. Los Angeles was my last one. We will start that back up in September. So people that are like, when are you coming to New York? When are you coming September? We'll start doing that again, but not until after the show is completely filmed. So um, great question, but unfortunately, um, unfortunately, I won't be traveling. It sucks, but we won't be traveling. Um, All right. So Kevin Cho says, why do they stop you from traveling because of COVID? Yeah, so think about that, right? If I have 35 employees and A&E is spending a million dollars per episode on production budget and I go and I get sick and I come back and I'm the main person on the show or Jamil and I are the two main people on the show, what happens? Then all of production shuts down, right? Makes sense, right guys? All right. Check it out. Oscar Jimenez. Pace, I'm newish to Sub2 and have made some really great business relationships and closed two deals since I've joined. Love Pace and Sub2. So guys, if you want to join the, the, the mentorship, which I you'll rarely ever see me push it, um, but I see two comments in there asking how to join the mentorship. If you guys ever want to see if um, it's a good fit for you, you want to join the family, then here's a link. Um, but I would probably suggest that you guys start working with some of my sub two students. The links are all right there. How do novation agreements work? That's probably another thing I'm never going to talk about on the show is novation agreements. Um, probates versus pre probates. I like that. So here's what I want to do. Mr. Wolf, do you buy wholesale deals in Indiana? Guys, will you answer Mr. Wolf's question for him? The answer is no, Mr. Wolf. I'm very sorry. We do not buy deals in Indiana, but I have a ton of students in Indiana that you can work with and they can help you out. Okay. Linda Mora says, why? Why won't you talk about a novation agreement on here? Well, because novation agreements are something that I like to talk about in my mentorship. And it's not, there's four or five things that I just don't talk about outside of my mentorship and novation agreements are one of those. Okay, I give you guys millions and millions of dollars of value for free. Okay. Keith Lawson, um, how will filming affect your involvement with and teaching sub two students? Well, that's a really simple question. Um, What does the average mentor give their students on a weekly basis? Okay, the average mentor I see gives their students two hours a week, maybe. Um, Usually it's two hours every other week. Um, is kind of the main mentorship thing. I personally do about 15 to 20 hours every single week personally with my students on Zooms and multiple topics, deep diving. And then I have um, about 35 employees that run my mentorship as well behind the scenes. 
um, nothing will be affected by uh, for my my mentorship. Does anybody feel that way? If you're a sub two student, you feel like I have not been available because of the filming and because of what I've been working on, please let me know. I would be blown away if somebody says I haven't been available. I spend no less than 15 to 20 hours a week. There's not a single mentor in on planet earth that even touches, not even closely touches that. And even with my full filming schedule, I still do it. Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, Sunday mornings. Like we had a Sunday morning marketing Zoom this morning with Matt and Cody, my partners. Nobody gives that much to their students, even when they have 12 businesses and a filming schedule to, to film. So um, great question, but no, nobody gets affected. We adjusted when I'm doing my time, um, but nobody has been affected. Has any, uh, one of my students, uh, one of my friends, I should call medium wave Dave says he's not rooting, uh, tooting his own horn pace doesn't sleep. Um, yeah, Tanisha, she says, I haven't missed a beat. Uh, we just adjusted the timeframes and I actually feel like the timeframes are better for the students, to be honest. Um, just because they're now more evening related or early morning related. And then also I'm doing more zooms on Saturdays. I used to take Saturdays and, you know, drive my properties and work with my partners, but now I am, um, spending way more time on Saturdays with the students. And I prefer it, to be honest, because I feel like there's no distractions. I feel like the students really enjoy doing uh, Zooms on Saturdays. And then the cool thing is four hours every single morning, Monday through Friday, my all my top closers in the sub two mentorship are doing role playing and calling sellers for the other students. And then I have my acquisition guy So it's crazy. Eight hours a day, somebody's available to either do role playing with you or calling your sellers eight hours a day. That's above and beyond my 15 hours a week that I do. It is crazy what we do inside that mentorship. And that's not even half of the stuff that, that we do. Okay. Um, Edward uh, Palacio says, if a student gets into your program, can our staff benefit as well? Um, I'm telling you that there are some very, very high level people that if I told you their name, um, that you would be like, wow, those are really impressive people. Those people joined my mentorship, but they did not ever take the education. They had their acquisition people take the uh, ed education. Okay. Um, Tia says Saturday's work. Um, Daniel, by the way, man, that's so cool. This uh, whole role play competition has been so fun. Brent, Jamil, myself, et cetera, are all talking about it behind the scenes. So you're, you're crushing it, bro. Um, all right, guys, this was a good episode. I'm going to, we're going to do the next four episodes. Here's what they are. Next four episodes, episode number next week, we're going to do, um, how to get my first sub two deal next episode, how to live in your own sub two deal three, how to determine your assignment fee on a creative finance deal that we're going to bring in Doug Lons on that one. And then uh, number four, I'm going to bring in my probate attorney in a month, Rylas, and he's going to talk about probate, pre-probate, et cetera. So we've got our next four topics. Kelly Hanno's on top of it. So give her some love and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys.